Do you hear that sound? That is the sound of the waves crashing against a bay. But not just any bay. It's a Baywatch. Because this is a Baywatch podcast. In fact, this is Baywatch Rookie School. A podcast for two men who have never watched Baywatch before. Try and watch Baywatch. I'm Michael Eisen. And I'm Morgan Thrapp. And Michael, this is a very special episode. We've got our first guest. We do! This is a friend of ours who we told about the podcast and who we found out had already been watching Baywatch, so we invited him on. And Robert, we are so glad to have you on the podcast. Wow. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. Yeah, excited to have you. It's an absolute honor to have the man also known as Big Hog Robert Persinger wow. on, <laughs> on our podcast. <laughs> That's what they call you on Doughboys. Hmm, I don't... I don't remember that particular uh, affectation, but or uh, I don't even know if that's the right word. I'm flustered, actually. <laughs> <laughs> that's legit what they called you on an episode. Did it, I think they they did ask me to to show my penis? Maybe we don't have to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> this is off to a great start already. <laughs> the only thing we have to talk about on this podcast is Baywatch. The first thing I want to talk about is how much I love the theme song. Um, so fun, fun fact, I've been watching the original broadcasted version and Michael has been watching the re-edited, remastered HD version, which has all new music, all new everything. I still have not seen or heard the new theme song. And my understanding, Robert, is that you actually watched both versions of this episode. That's correct. Yes, that's correct. I'm a, I, I wanted to do my research. How to do my work. Um, that's true. And I I was less familiar with the original airing, uh, the credits of that one and the theme of that one. And um, yeah, if I had to compare, I'd say I do like the re-aired version. I do I do think the song fits it better, but maybe hopefully you'll 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 hear and compare and uh, that'll be an epi- an episode in, in and of itself. We'll see. Well, you know, they do they do end up using the the second theme which is for us the th- the first theme for the rest of the show. So you have lots of time to get used to it and love it. And that's by, is that by the second season? Yeah. So stay on it. So, um, first season, the show gets canceled. Uh, then David Hasselhoff teams up with some guys, you know, is from Germany who love Knight Rider and they get the money to produce, or to start producing a second season, they give Hasselhoff executive producer credits, and then NBC immediately puts it into syndication. When they put it into syndication, they also decide to redo the theme and to redo the intro uh, and to redo some of the themes in terms of like no more violence against women or children. So it's a big, fresh restart. Yeah. look i know we're all here to watch like kids rightly just getting murdered in danger in the ocean yeah exactly like nothing brings me more joy than watching children drown um really nothing maybe ice cream but not really uh and they took it away from me and i know i'm just gonna hate watching this show after this season because of that yeah the other thing I want to say about the music real quick is that the opening synth line, at least in the initial broadcasted version of this, I don't know if it's present in the remaster, and I really hope that it is. That initial synth line is one of the best things I've ever heard, and it made me wish that I knew how to make music so I could make remixes with it. Wow. It's great. Is there a synth line in it, Robert? 
the uh, like um well the other the the new version is just like burned into my brain i'm like having a hard time like right now even like conjuring the original just mm. like the new one rocks so hard oh wow um oh yeah it moves the soul and i particularly this is the bummer too is that um i believe the actor's name is um monty markham he's kind of like the senior lifeguard you see yeah, briefly Captain Thorpe episode talking to to Hasselhoff before like mm-hmm. the training session, and he has this funny. He like looks through some binoculars and then like pulls them down and has this funny smile during his credit in the new intro. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It it makes me it makes me laugh every time. It's so so <laughs> funny. Um, and I'm excited because I'm assuming it's not the same. I don't believe he's in the same shot in the the original airing that I saw. So. Yeah, I don't believe so. That definitely doesn't sound familiar to me. Yeah, Captain Thorpe smiling doesn't seem familiar to Morgan. <laughs> yeah, you are in for a treat. Ooh, I look forward to it. Because as we realized from Captain Thorpe, he's the epitome of a boomer uh, and just like tells people, back in my day, these were plastic. Forgive me, has there been... I'm trying to remember if he's been in the episode yet. There's uh I don't want to spoil anything. There's an episode where he kind of like hangs around one of the, the yes. towers. Yes. Yes. That was last. We episode. did that a few episodes okay. ago. All right. All right. All right. Wasn't it? No, not last episode. No, no. It was a few episodes, few episodes ago. ago. Last episode was last episode was Jill and oh, uh, right. And, and Fred. Fucking Fred. Oh, oh. God. Oh. But yes, yeah. I know the episode you're talking about and it is something. The episode where, yes, where, where Markham is hanging out and kind of like putting his feet up and kind of like, back in my day, we blah, blah, blah. It was just kind of, yeah, it was very funny. It was, he was annoying everybody. Yeah. So unfortunately, we don't get more of Captain Thorpe making people want to tr- tune away from the show in this episode. Uh, <laughs> but we do get a lot of other stuff. We sure do. But to, to give some background information, episode was written by Lee Goldberg and William Rabkin, directed by Bruce Seth Green, who is not Seth Green, nor Bruce Green, nor an amalgamation of the two, done via the now oft mentioned on this podcast, Dragon Ball Z fusion dance. <laughs> he... It, he he doesn't also does not use the Proterra earrings, so he doesn't make a permanent fusion. Is not Seth Green's dad creator creator no. of steampunk chicken? <laughs> no, no. Well, if only, if only. Um, and it was originally aired November tenth, nineteen eighty nine. So again, we're getting near that coveted nineteen ninety spot. Uh, the other piece of trivia is that. There's two guest actors in this episode who go on to do other stuff. So first is Christine Elise McCarthy, who plays Amy, and she was in the movie Child's Play 2 a few months later. And then she was she was also in some of the Chucky films, but not like the good ones. So not like (laughs) Seed of Chucky or Bride of Chucky, which are the best ones. So, and I think that's probably because that's the one with, um, Jennifer Tilly, uh, Jennifer. Yes, exactly. AKA the most badass poker player of all time, Jennifer <laughs> Tilly. Um, and then also it's, this episode has William Fickner who plays Howard Ganza, who would have a main starring role in prison break. And he would also be in a few other shows. So we got, uh, again, our trend of actors, going on to do great stuff after Baywatch. This show is the um, good luck Chuck of TV shows. If anybody remembers that Jessica Alba and Ryan Reynolds movie, good luck Chuck. This is that show (laughs) or movie. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a big, big acclaim, a big compliment to the show. 
truly, truly a show that starts careers. But you know what else we should start? Morgan, how about we start this episode? Yeah, let's do it. The first scene we get really, I think, sets the tone for the entire episode, which is, I think, one of the fastest paced high energy episodes we've seen so far. The first scene is two mobsters who are chasing after a woman uh, who we later learn her name is Amy, who jumps in a Mustang and drives off while one of the mobsters gives pursuit. Now, in the version I watched, either I'm going deaf or the two mobsters' names are Vankman and Vincent. But I have been told that apparently Vankman is not one of the mobsters and is in fact one of the Ghostbusters, and uh, his real name is Howard. <laughs> Howard Ganza. Yeah. Yes. We figured out you watched Ghostbusters by accident. <laughs> yeah. He's he's less Eastern European and more like Western European. <laughs> Right. And he's he he seems very Italian mobster, oh, yeah. I feel like. Uh, and, and not so much like my family came from the Ukraine, mm-hmm. like Venkman feels like. Um, and also, I mean, t- totally Morgan 100 percent is not watching a version of this episode that is in any way suspiciously sourced. No, no, no. never. No, no, never. This podcast is anti-piracy. Just like Baywatch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yes, because there's an episode with pirates, and we are very vehemently against those pirates mm-hmm. in that episode. I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm the first guest, I believe, but this is I, what I've been told is this: this this podcast adheres to the same rules as the lifeguards. Absolutely. Which rules are those? Um, forever <laughs> and always, I'll I'll be there when the rain starts to fall. Yeah, I mean, for as long as this podcast goes and Baywatch keeps giving us new episodes, sure, yeah, mm-hmm. and then we'll be gone. We'll never be there. Sure ever again yeah we're gonna delete the entire podcast once it's done <laughs> what a stunt <laughs> yeah, yeah it's just like we're gonna spend five years on this and be like okay we're done goodbye <laughs> so morgan what happens next what happens next is we've get some scenes of car chase interspersed with the various other plot lines being established at this point so the first plot line we get established is gina and craig are about to go on vacation and Eddie's going to be watching the apartment while they're gone. So Gina is giving him a bad sitcom level list of different chores that he needs to do while they're gone. And Craig is generally being like bad sitcom husband. And mm-hmm. the two of them are arguing about how Gina thinks they should schedule the whole vacation. And Craig thinks they should just chill. And he's bringing his tennis rackets. And- yeah, exactly. It feels it feels very overwritten to me. Yeah, and also he mentions that they have seven tennis courts, and from what we see from this hotel, there is no way this hotel has seven tennis courts. This is like the low the low rent version of the motel from Faulty Towers, like, <laughs> and that has at most one tennis court. There are not seven tennis courts. I will say, though, the desk clerk, when they go to check in later in this episode, does mention the seven tennis courts, so... Yeah, well, he's delusional. Uh, he's gaslighting them. He is <laughs> gaslighting them. He just he just assumes no one will get to the back and actually see that they only have, like, four. Right. They'll be too busy having a wink-wink romantic week. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, according to both of the guests we see staying at this hotel, it may be possible that no one just bothers to go and explore the rest of the hotel. Entirely possible. Like, 
I think I will probably get into that a little bit more later yeah. in terms of like what you had to do with this fantastic hotel getaway. Mm. Uh, but that's not our A plot. No, no it is not. Yeah, this is like a C plot. Uh, honestly, if that. It's a C minus plot. <laughs> uh, oh, next up, we've got the first day of lifeguard auditions. Uh, we've got a auditions. got a bunch of aspiring lifeguards who are doing their best, uh, their best practice routines to in between waiting tables. Yeah. You know, they're all just like, yeah, I started, uh, I started in my own local theaters version of Les Mis <laughs> last night. And then I came here today to be a lifeguard. I wanted to do the job that pays. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know how much they get paid, but oh, actually we do. We are told in an earlier episode that Craig makes in 1989, 1250 an hour, which is pretty decent. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's way above minimum wage. So I guess lifeguards do get paid, but they're hourly, not salary. But look at, but that you'll see how much Craig has to deal with over this time. I don't even know if 1250 is worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you better, you better love that job. Well, I was going to say there's, there's no happy marriage that's worth 1250 an hour, clearly, <laughs> um, as a not married person here. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> we, we see a lot a lot of lifeguards here um it looks like about maybe like 40 50 lifeguards yeah which is maybe 30 to 40 to 50 lifeguards more than should be there archery (laughs) contest in robin hood like every freaking lifeguard (laughs) showed up for this thing yes yes that is exactly what it's like and they're all in like little different like uh hunger games like camps yeah they're all from different different districts of la <laughs> <laughs> right trying to win the lifeguarding for uh like honor for their group so that they can get all the like money for their faction for their district um and i think we've just discovered how dystopian rookie school actually is mm-hmm. but our most important person is trevor cole our good friend trevor cole who is trying to audition to be a lifeguard right a real hothead oh yeah yeah. Our favorite cereal box sign in Australian. Our favorite front flip uh, saying Australian things. <laughs> Australian. A real a real down under dude. <laughs> yeah. A, a, a real man at work. No? No, I got Nobody, it. I got, no, it. I got it. Okay. okay. <laughs> when you do puns, it's funny. But when I do it, nobody laughs. A, a real Vegemate. <laughs> no, 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 I, no. Well, guys, it was fun. Anyway, bye. <laughs> uh, I wish you'd leave after that. Uh, Morgan, who else is there at this tryout? The other people who are here, um, among others, is Mitch's old coach. From back when Mitch was in rookie school, and he's he's a little he's a little skeezy looking, little you know, looks like he probably um, maybe let's say is giving some people some steroids hypothetically. Ooh, Ooh. Hypothetically. foreshadowing. He, foreshadowing. He looks like the kind of guy who would go out to a club in a tracksuit. Yes, yeah, I could see that. He clearly rode Mitch and. Well, his class hard, basically. Mitch was like, oh, man, that guy was like a nightmare to work with. Mm-hmm. Probably because of all the maybe steroids. Mm-hmm. 
Ah, I kept jabbing, jamming needles. <laughs> and we get introduced to Jeff Delander, who is his Aryan top rookie. Just the perfect, perfect specimen. He looks like, uh, okay, he looks like Rocky Horror. That's kind of what he looks like. He just, he's just perfectly built and has no personality whatsoever. And he is going to be breaking all the records and he is 19 years old and he is ready to take the world by its horns. And I'm, I see great things in his view. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Him and him and Trevor Cole kind of butt heads a little bit and just generally do like bullshit alpha male, alpha male posturing at each other. Um, because mm -hmm. Trevor's there because Mitch, you know, may have told Trevor's boss that like, oh, hey, maybe you should hire real lifeguards that are actually licensed. And so Trevor's here to get his license after, you know, earlier in the show trying to steal a lifeguarding manual from HQ and being caught by Mitch in a very cheesy exchange of one liners. Um, and and steal a donut, exactly. which costs 35 bucks, apparently, mm -hmm. but comes with a free lifeguarding manual. <laughs> oh, God. hated that exchange i still do <laughs> i love that exchange i think it's great um but so you know after that we get a lot of interstitials we get chase swimmers chase swimmers chase swimmers mm -hmm. shooting swimmers chase and then amy our our female a plot lead uh comes to the beach and now she is part of the sw the swimmers and part of the chase. And Vincent is looking for her. And so he and the swimmers are now one. They have yet again fusion danced. <laughs> uh, we're doing the fusion dance because it's like a temporary, like the 30 minute one, not the Potera earrings again, which are permanent. Unless you go end up of inside of the stomach of Super Boo after he turns you into chocolate and eats you. Uh, and then in you which know? case, yeah, well, uh, this is for the people who don't know, clearly. No, we I, all know. Okay, you're right. You're right. We all How know. Anyone I, live in the year 2020 and not know about the, yeah, the, the po Potera earrings and Super Boo? Yes. Don't yes, exactly. It's a very <laughs> no kid gloves on this podcast. Come on, no kid gloves because we all know about Kid Boo as well, mm -hmm. um, and we know how he's the strongest Boo. Uh, well, actually, no, I take that back. Like Super Boo technically is, but Kid Boo is more vicious. But we all anyway, know. Anyway, as it we turns all out, notice. Amy was wearing a one-piece bathing suit under her skirt, so she uh, she's able to join in with all the swimmers. And uh, ends up being one of the first back to the beach with the lifeguards. She actually comes in seventh. Yeah. Uh, she's the first woman back. J uh, Jeff is number one. Trevor is number two. And Amy is seventh. Mm -hmm. Wow. So messed up. We didn't get to see the other uh, entrance. Wow. Yeah. I'm sure they had such great personalities. I was definitely rooting for guy third from the left. Oh, I can find that. Uh, let me see. I need to see what that. <laughs> oh, guy from the third from the left is actually pretty hot. Uh, he's blonder than Jeff, mm. and uh, he swam around the buoy better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's also in red instead of blue. Oh, and uh, you know, red is the lifeguard color as opposed to these stinking blue staters. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Despite the fact that everyone yeah, on the show is in orange when they're lifeguard, but you know, it's cool. 
No, they're red. Oh, maybe the color is just bad on the version I'm watching because they look real orange in the version I'm watching. They're very red. <laughs> they're very red. That does make a lot this more is, sense. This is shattering. Yeah. This is a huge moment in the podcast. My entire read on the show has been wrong. The key color of this show is angry red. Yeah, that not like makes sense. Not like apprehensive orange. <laughs> <laughs> The, the worst Otter Pop flavor, Apprehensive Orange. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's, it's, appreh- it's, it's right before Apprehensive Orange is purple, but, uh, you know, Apprehensive Orange is there, and then there's, like, whatever yellow is. That's the worst one. Apprehensive Orange is a little bit better than that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Anyway, Bay, uh, Baywatch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this uh, this scene wraps up with Eddie deciding to hit on Amy. And Shawnee looks on being very jealous, despite the fact that mm-hmm. the last couple episodes she spent the entire time basically just showing how much she actually kind of hates Eddie and doesn't want anything to do with him. So, you know, fun stuff. Um, yeah, I, it felt very real for how dating works. Yeah, I guess that's fair. If they had Facebook at the time, I think their stabs would be, it's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know who's not complicated, but who actually is? Craig and Gina. Sure are. I mean, yeah, they're they're also pretty complicated at this point, except that the they're, plot sucks. Um, they're married and it's complicated. The two of them are at the hotel and it turns out they showed up too early so they can't check in yet, and their room isn't ready. So they, Gina argues with the hotel clerk for a little bit before being like, all right, we'll just go to another hotel. And has that, has this ever happened to you? Have you ever, have you ever shown up to, to early to like a reservation? Like you just cool your heat. Yeah. You just like, you walk around or something. Exactly. Unless, unless you're Larry David. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in which case you like try to con them out or you're like, oh, my God, I'm having a heart attack. I need to be put into your finest suite. And then you somehow end up there and you're like, I got it early. And then someone walks in on you while you're naked in a bathtub. And that's you would. Th- yeah. As Larry David, you would recognize there was like the longer you don't check in, the more possibilities for foibles. Occur, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> foibles is the most Larry David word possible. And I appreciate you use that word. Um. Yeah, they, Craig and Gina kind of wander off to start going to another hotel because Gina is continuing her trend of being stereotypical sitcom levels of having to be super organized and stressed about everything. And mm-hmm. Craig is still super chill and tries to calm her down and is like, I understand why this weekend is stressful. We're trying to get pregnant. It's fine if it doesn't happen right away. Like, we'll be good parents. It's okay. And is actually like, having a surprisingly decent moment of like being a nice human being um, sure. that will rapidly go our away. Chi- our, 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 our child will live in the ocean and the courtroom. <laughs> <laughs> our child will be a fish lawyer. This, th- this scene has one of my favorite lines, which is uh, it's a very sweet line. It's, you know, they finish their conversation and Gina says, I love you, but she says it in the exact same tone and cadence from that Nathan for you skit where he has that woman say, I love you 45 <laughs> times in a row to him. Uh, and I couldn't stop thinking of that. And I was like, Oh, this is very, very badly acted. Yeah. I don't think I caught that in the moment, but I definitely believe it. it, it I just could not picture Craig 
uh, w- without thinking of Nathan Fielder, uh, and it kind of <laughs> ruined Craig. <laughs> but yeah, this scene wraps up pretty quickly after that because the hotel clerk overhears them talking about how they're going to use this weekend to go get pregnant and says, actually, never mind, your room is ready now. And so they cut to what would be a laugh track if the show had a laugh track, and then they go up to their room. To their sex dungeon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To their motel sex dungeon, uh, overseeing all seven of their tennis courts. Uh, and we're expected that there's going to be some love making on this show. Oh, yeah. And let's just say they're going to cause a racket. Oh, uh, no, uh, no, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, let's see. Please move on. Next up, we've got a brief scene. We're back with the lifeguards where basically Trevor's just kind of being a dick and trying to start shit with Jeff. Um, just kind of generally yelling at Jeff and telling him that he's not going to be as good as Trevor. Um, but she's not. Yeah. No, the, I mean, agree. He's Trevor. He's Trevor Cole. Mm-hmm. Did Jeff ever sign any cereal boxes? I think not. No, absolutely not. Did Jeff ever do a front flip after jumping out of a window? I think I think not. Also, Jeff has never told a joke about Crocodile Rabinowitz, <laughs> but Trevor Cole has. That's true. <laughs> That's true. The greatest joke to have ever been made. Mm-hmm. I feel like. Robert, you're just like so confused <laughs> about what Crocodile Rabinowitz is. I'm laughing about the the Aussie man in the show, but I'm not positive. I'm not I'm about the reference, honestly. No one is positive about the reference uh, because they just throw out a punchline of, they told me his name was Crocodile Rabinowitz, and everyone laughs. And I'm like, wow, that must have been the greatest lead up to a joke of all time <laughs> for that to be the punchline. The magic of seeing a show like this, like you, you know that someone thought they nailed it for something like that, and then oh yeah, of course, watching it now. Yeah, I did not pay those people to laugh; they laughed naturally. It's very fun watching this show and trying to pick out the moments where the writers are proud of themselves. Um, and like you know, I don't <laughs> want to be too hard on the writers because you know you're trying to write twenty three episodes a year about lifeguards, but there there are definitely some moments in this show where you can tell that they are just real proud of a real bad one-liner. Um, but let's see, we get some more with the lifeguards. Um, Amy and Eddie are still talking, and she tells Eddie that, oh, she's just in town for the tryouts, and, you know, it definitely wasn't just that I ran away from trying from someone trying to murder me and ended up in with the rest of the lifeguards swimming. And then... Eddie asks where she's staying and she says she doesn't really have a place and is like trying to get Eddie to let her stay at his place. Um, And Eddie very rapidly says, yeah, sure. Of course you're attractive. Come stay at the house that I'm house sitting, Um, which, you know, mm, okay. Uh, Real responsible. He's he's warlock. (laughs) Can you stay? Yeah. 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 Sometimes you just, you got that warlock charm and there's just nothing you can do about it. I mean, charm person, I mean, that's like a second level spell or something. Um, anyway, uh, I was going to make a Halloween (laughs) town Calabar's revenge joke, but no, you ruined Mm -hmm, it. mm -hmm. Uh, Eddie goes off to get his pants and then Trevor shows up and hits on Amy. (laughs) 
and Amy just kind of like waves him off. And then that's he says all rookies have to have a partner of the opposite sex for the duration of training. Mm-hmm. And she goes, I already got a partner. And Eddie says, yeah. And he doesn't got a silly accent, um, <laughs> Whoa. which is just xenophobic. Yeah, I think I know. But no, let's be fair. I don't think Eddie knows that what where what Australia is. I would believe yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he thinks that uh, Trevor Cole is actually from uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina. <laughs> um, he's very confused. He's like this, the w- weirdest Eastern European mm-hmm. accent ever. Yeah, it's uh, from from the country where Warlock is also a last name, Bosnia and Herzegovina. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Geography was never my strong suit. And clearly, Eastern European last names are mine. <laughs> it's a very particular set of skills. Oh, yeah. Next up, we've got a scene with Garner and Mitch, where Garner is info dumping to Mitch about the mobsters from earlier and says that they're real tough criminals because one of them killed his brother over a drug deal. And and it's basically just a big info dump. Am I the only one who noticed that Mitch now willingly wears shoes? You mean... Sorry, crab stompers? Yes, he <laughs> willingly wears crab stompers uh, instead of thongs. And, like, the Mitch we knew from episode one is dead. Mm-hmm. Now we have the new Ubermensch Mitch. <laughs> so much transformation from yeah. episode one. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like it's almost like he went Super Saiyan, you know. Uh could to bring it back to I think there I think there could be something crab related in his past. Mm-hmm. Maybe that has something to do with I it. I can believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he is truly just uh given to us from the gods a representation of the astrological sign of cancer. Uh that or he's just, you know, a mere mortal doomed to walk existence in these shoot, sorry, crab stompers that <laughs> haunt him because he realizes that he is bound to his job. Just like Sisyphus is bound to pushing that rock up the hill. Stop me whenever you're Mitch ready. Mitch is pushing uh, his crab stompers across the beach. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I believe Hasselhoff was like, I kind of like these shoes. I'm going to wear them now. And they were like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, though, they gave him the shoes that every podiatrist is like, your gait is really bad. You should wear these all the time. <laughs> like, wait, you're, you're walking on the beach all the time here. You need these. Yeah. Th- they give you five feet of height. Let's see. Next up, we've got Eddie and Amy are back at Craig and Gina's apartment. And Eddie tells Amy that she can go sleep in Craig and Gina's room. And Amy asks, what'll happen if I rob the place? And Eddie looks like he is just now considering that for the first time. (laughs) He's like, I'll fucking kill you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's it's a decently sweet scene. Like, at least it's not as, like, creepy as I feel like it could have been in that time period. But... He, he he earlier he does express that like she hasn't revealed kind of what's going on I don't believe but like he does express it like she needs a place and is, and is in trouble and he's trying to keep like some sort of distance on that so but there is still sexual tension oh yeah, of course totally we're watching uh, Baywatch folks. yes oh uh, yes yeah. but it it is kind of in the last few episodes, we've noticed characters who maybe haven't either been given a chance to have the same amount of character development that Mitch has, because Mitch has had so much time through all of his scenes with Hobie, which there's no Hobie this episode, which is crazy, um, that other characters are now getting these really sweet scenes to develop them as like nurturing characters. And I wasn't really expecting a lot more of that from Eddie, but we got 
pretty decent Eddie stuff this episode, and I, I, I it, it makes me like his character more. Yeah, yeah, I think I really like where his character development is going. Yeah, I think especially because we started out with him as just being, you know, an orphan, and then we got that episode where we had the cartoonish villain who showed him as like unable to really deal with talking and about his past and trusting people. And now he's developed a lot of trust over the last like few episodes. And it feels very natural as a progression. Yeah. He's the, he's the Robin to Mitch's Batman. Yes. Ooh. Oh man. I really want to see that now. Just the two of them as themselves in character playing Batman and Robin. Hell yeah. I would be very down. And does that make Thorpe Alfred? Ooh. Alfred in a bathing suit? Hachi machi. Right? I know, right? Now there's a This show, show cannot watch. handle that. <laughs> yeah. That's basically just Son of the Beach. Yeah, it kind of is, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, next up, we get to the mobster hangout with Venkman and Vincent. I'm going to keep calling him Venkman because I'm pretty sure that's what he's called. <laughs> and uh, I won't listen to any arguments to the contrary. Uh, we find out that the Mustang okay. Amy jumped in at the beginning of the episode belongs to said mobsters and that Amy was dating Venkman, I guess. Yes. It's a little unclear at this point, but we do clarify it a little bit later in the episode. And Venkman tells Vincent that if Amy's with another guy, kill him too. And they're all being. Very I believe friendly. he says bury him, and I like the idea that he wants to bury him alive instead <laughs> of just kill him. Mm-hmm. We touched on a little bit just how stereotypically Italian these two are, and it very much feels like they're being pulled out of like a bad mobster film, and I do enjoy it very much. Y- you wouldn't know it from his last name being Vinkman, yeah. but yeah, he's very Italian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next thing we have is really just Craig pondering if he'd be a good father, uh, which seems to be the the most exciting part for me about this C minus plot is that Craig is doing some real discussion with himself and with Gina about like, am I ready to be a father? Do I actually want kids? And they don't go into it as much as I'd want them to, but they do go into it a bit. And I enjoy this part kind of a lot. Yeah, there's a realism to it. There's there even though it's like the sea, it's obviously like one of the more least interesting things that's happening in the episode. There's actually something they're talking about something. Yeah. Right. I will say that at this point in my notes, I have I hate this plot. It's so cliche and melodramatic. So I feel <laughs> a little bit differently about this scene personally. Um Are you saying you don't enjoy the part where they talk about the name Ethel? God. I also don't love how Gina's on the phone with her mom and Craig gets real mad at her because how dare she be on the phone? And it just... These fucking breeders. <laughs> his his main anger seems to be addressed to the fact that he doesn't want them to know that they're trying for a kid. Yeah. But he's also a dick about it. That is that is awkward. I mean, that's, that's what everyone's asking about. They're like, oh, are you having grandchildren? They're like, are you fucking to have kids? Like... That, that is what it yeah, is. Yeah, I to be yeah, clear, like, I'm all for like, hey, maybe let's not be super intrusive into other people's personal lives. I just hate the yeah. way that this is written. Sure. Totally understandable. This scene also establishes our second E-related e name of very old names that this show wants to drag through the dirt. Because in a few episodes ago, we had 
Mitch and Gail talk about Gail's cousin Enid and say that they hated the name Enid. And this episode, they hate the name Ethel. And I think <laughs> grandmothers deserve more rights. And I think this show is anti-grandmother. Yeah. I think there's like a, ba- a major villain coming up called Gertrude, which really is <laughs> annoying. It's, it sucks. I, I, I would hope that it's another E name, uh, but it, I can't think of another old person E name. Uh, other, well, we, this was Ethel. And then Oops. Enid. Yeah, <laughs> Ethel was say. So she's. Wait, what are we watching? <laughs> I, Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> everyone remembers the, the saying. Everyone remembers the, the Ghostbusters Dragon Ball Z crossover where they fought the evil Tosferujin named Ethel. Um, all, all of my notes are on Bankman. <laughs> Peter Bankman. So. Yeah. But they discuss they're having second thoughts about the baby and mm-hmm. really what that means. Uh, the, clearly, they're down for the sex, but not necessarily the whole point of them going out, which they, I mean, they they claim they didn't really have time to think about, like, this decision before they booked this, yeah. you know, trip. But they totally did because they're single and have clearly lots of time at home i mean i would argue that yeah. they're not single but i know what you mean um oh, they're not single i mean they're in a relationship they're, they're the opposite of single they're married that was a faux pas on my part um but yeah they are they are here to try and have a kid and just being real real melodramatic about the whole thing where does it end with them? Where where do we leave them on this scene? I think this scene, if I remember correctly, and so I actually watched the first half of this episode last week because it was mislabeled, thinking it that it was the previous episode. So I only watched the second half of this episode today, so I don't fully remember wow. the first half. Um, but I think we end this scene. I actually have the episode up. Oh, perfect. Yeah, so it has the two of them talking about uh, uh, Craig says maybe we should have invited the press let's ever let everybody participate in the suspense mm-hmm. and then they let kind of <laughs> yeah let me see that dick they kind of make up and she's like you're having second thoughts and he says second thoughts and third thoughts and that he's scared and then you're talking like, about that hoe over there <laughs> <laughs> yes and then it just ends as they embrace. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then get ready to have sex. Mm-hmm. And then we find out that <laughs> Bustin makes him feel good. Um, oh my. <laughs> of course, this perfect transition uh, from that scene where they're like, I don't know if we should have a baby, is to Eddie trying to make coffee out of a thing that just flirts <laughs> randomly at things. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good this transition. Is Craig, this is obviously Craig's fault. And or maybe actually maybe his his uh his lady true created some sort of weird coffee contraption that vexed uh poor Billy Warlock. <laughs> Billy Warlock is just not That enough, is a uh, sentence. Not enough of a West Coast elite to know about espresso. Um Exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's from Philly. Like what would yeah. he know? Everyone knows Philadelphia doesn't have espresso. It's illegal. <laughs> It's one of the rules of the city. You know, Seattle's got uh, don't fuck horses, and they're like, no espresso. <laughs> uh, and of course, in Baywatch, don't fuck seahorses. Mm-hmm. Or seals. Right, normal, normal horses are okay. <laughs> they're, they're, they're fine lovers, but seahorses, uh-uh. 
They just, none of their asexual reproduction. Mm -hmm. We can't have any Mm -hmm. of that. Speaking of sex and sexual tension, though, after Eddie does spray coffee all over himself, Amy wipes him up with the most sexual tension I've ever seen. It's also the worst dress I've ever seen. Well, to be fair, also, Eddie does tell her that she's overdressed in that dress, so really, this whole scene is is just about boning. Yeah, yeah. He just like take you. You have one dress on more than you should. Is what he was trying to say. Well, and by that you mean her hat. That like it. It's like a. It's a round hat that has like a flower on top, and then it just has space for her hair to go through. So it's really just like a visor. I, I, and this is, and this is the wardrobe she had to use that was on the premises. And I'm pretty sure that was a Kentucky Derby hat. Yeah. Oh yeah. I also can't see Gina ever wearing this. So I'm wondering what other women Craig are seeing. It was from her costume box. (laughs) Oh yes. Everybody has a costume box. I mean, she is. Hey, I'm looking at mine right now. (laughs) (laughs) She is supposed to be this like eccentric artist. So it is totally believable that she's just like, oh, I have all these random outfits for gallery openings or something. Or people that show up during Lightbar tryouts and need to stay in my flat. (laughs) As we remember, um, Gina's lifeguard already messed that up again. As we remember, Gina's gallery openings typically consist of uh, men with um, rat tails and... uh, Iceman Chuck Liddell. So this is like her Iceman Chuck Liddell outfit that she kind of wears and she hangs out with all the UFC fighters. But wait, was this a joke from the podcast or I think of a different conversation? Does this sound familiar Not to you? At all. Not in the slightest. I can't remember now which which I can't remember which rat tail hair jokes rat they make. Tails. Yeah. Hanging out with like Jedi Padawans. <laughs> well, that and Iceman Chuck Liddell. Uh I, I just can't remember if I made that joke on this podcast or not. Uh, and now I worry how quarantine has destroyed my mind. Get it together. <laughs> Goodness. Uh, you know who else should get it together? Everyone at rookie school because they're back to the rookie school candidates. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. It's day one of rookie school. Everyone is lined up and ready to start on their first exercise of the day when Trevor shows up late and literally throws his hat into the ring. Um, which I thought was very funny. Um, and by ring, I mean just like the general circle of lifeguards, but he literally just shows up and throws his hat at them. Um, this, is, this is the part where I realized that they have hyped up rookie school, at least the, like they've sort of hyped it up as being full of science and math and always seen as physical mm-hmm. training, but we haven't seen any of that. And so it makes no sense why like all of these lifeguards are in quotes required to know all the title shift math. If it's really just about who can swim fastest. Yeah. Because you have to like compute like a supercomputer at the same time, exactly when like where the moon is and how it's <laughs> the tides and stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they've shown us, they had a pop quiz where, Mitch had to calculate one equation that was an entire whiteboard long uh, and everyone failed. And then Jill last episode decided to uh, do some math to figure out how far a dead body drifted in the water. But all Jeff 
you know, is doing here is just like, look at my, look at my abs and look how far I can swim and how fast I can swim. And I'm like, that boy cannot do any math. He's 19. (laughs) Are you telling me that this guy has mastered geometry and calculus at age 19 and swimming? Pick one. You can't be both. (laughs) Well, I mean, if you can't be both, then you're just never going to make it in rookie school. That's why we're here, because we've mm-hmm. made it. Because both of us are very athletic swimmers and also good at math. Yes. <laughs> so is Robert. Right, Robert? You know it. Hey, man, two plus two is four. Love that sh- shit. Quick math. <laughs> um, yeah, we have a montage here with what I think is my favorite song so far in the episode, Wow. Possibly of the show. Wow. But I will say, so I will say this is one instance where I've actually heard the song from both versions, the the remaster and the original. The original is oh. far better. Mm, debatable. Well, it's, it's uh, far ooh. worse, but it's more interesting. So this is another classic by Sean McCune, uh, because if you... Remember from previous episodes of the podcast, uh, Baywatch Remastered HD.com has all of the artists. My homepage. Yeah, your homepage. Uh, you changed it from MSN uh, to that. They have all the, the artists that they got to do songs for the remastered Baywatch. And on that site, you can click on the artist and you can see the remastered video of that scene with the song. So this is Sean McCune's song. The other one he did was the one with Captain Thorpe from a few episodes ago. And this one is way too rocky for, (laughs) for this scene. Uh, The, the remastered. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Yep. Now as a treat, I normally read out these lyrics, but I have decided to provide our guest with the lyrics and Robert, would you like to do a maybe dramatic reading of the lyrics to this song? Man, this is um, hard to do without a beat behind it, but I can do. I, I, do you do? Do you usually do the whole song? Uh, you know, do do as much as you think is is funny. There's like <laughs> there's like fifteen lines. It's not that long. This is, I mean, I, yeah, it's okay. We gotta roll. Oh, he's going to sing. We got to move with the times. Ow! We got to find what we're missing. We got to prove we're still alive. Um, yeah. Uh, See, that seems... I I have to take a break. This is just, um, it's just incredible. But I have to agree with Morgan, though, if I'm going to take a break in this. I think the one, like, climbing the hill... Mm -hmm. I played it for my wife before the record, and I was trying to place um, the music. I don't know if you guys are going to um, dr- if you uh, drop any clips in at all or, or uh, anything like that. But the original sounds to me, at first I thought it was sounded like uh, Phil Collins or Genesis. And then my wife corrected me and said it's more like the police. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. Exactly what I said. And then she clarified even more and said, you know what, it's actually almost... Very much like owner of a lonely heart. <gasps> oh my uh, God! You're yes, hundred percent. If you play it against it, it's it's very that. Um, and obviously pre and obviously uh, owner of a lonely heart predates it, of course. But um, it's it's quite something. Um, 
I hope I'm not. I truly hope I'm not. I feel self conscious. Uh, no, it's fine. The lyrics, to be perfectly um, honest, you don't have to sing it. I usually just okay. read it. Yeah, it's we're coming for you. We got to use adrenaline. We got to use our own eyes. <laughs> oh yeah, the, the, the other line. <laughs> we got to taste our own medicine. <laughs> <laughs> no, we gotta know. That's, that's gotta know for this episode. Time. We're coming for you. We gotta flow with the moment. We gotta reach the flame. We gotta roll in like thunder. We gotta blow them all away. There's no limit to what we can do. We're coming for you. We're coming for you. There's no limit to what we can do. We're coming for you. Hey guys, we're coming for you. <laughs> um, so maybe unorthodox. See, this. this- um, uh, my reading, I apologize ahead of time, but uh, yeah, it was funny, and I that is the one I went back and forth on to compare, uh, yeah, between the, because I feel like those original songs and things that's what got lost in the re airs is some of the some of that stuff, absolutely. Yeah, that's one thing you got to give props to the original song is that the lyrics are much simpler, um, because there are two of them one of them is Stop the World, I Want to Get Off, and the other one is Well. Oh, it just like it was better. Plus, it's we didn't. I mean, we didn't mention that it's not just the um, lifeguard thing going on. It's also uh, Billy Warlock showing uh, Amy maybe like how to how to row, how to do uh, lifeguarding. Mm -hmm. Like it's almost like they're doing their own private lesson. Basically, it it was sexual, but the most sexual part was lifeguard Mikey Newman knew me also being around there and rowing too because every time he's in the scene i just want to touch his mustache that's right we didn't we didn't mention him but he's i i notice him throughout the series and i you have you had a stat on him i think right yeah he is the third he has the third most appearances of any actor on this show wow after hobie and then oh wow oh so you're not even saying third most out of like extras or minor characters like third most period it's it's mitch hobie Mikey Newman and then Pamela Anderson. Oh, okay. That's wow. Huh. For an actor who has not said a single line in the show yet, that is surprising to me. Yes, he has. Yes, he has. Do you guys all remember when Numi was on the Berlin Wall when it's coming down? <laughs> <laughs> Stupid joke. I love it. Uh, 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 he does become a main cast character. In like season seven or eight, so he, fi- he has spoken lines. Yeah, well, he does have a spoken line in the pilot. Um, oh yeah, I do uh, too. Yeah, they talk. They talk about him lose about like his toupee, and he makes some like comment about it, and he laughs. Oh right. Oh, good sport. But so this scene, uh, I think it's a little bit more tone appropriate, but not but not by much with Morgan's version. Uh, there's a part I actually recorded a video for Instagram of of all the men getting down and it's like shot from their butts and it just shows them like like peeking up. <laughs> yeah, peeking up. And during that time, there's just like a guitar solo uh, and it, it makes no sense. I don't know why they decided to go like rock with this. It would have made a little bit more sense to go something like Karate Kid-esque, maybe. I just think that's just not what's available. I think they just, like, they can get a generic Rocky band. It's one dude who also did, like, Power Pop last time. Like, they they could get something else. Even, like, (laughs) even, I feel like even something more like, I don't fucking know, like, Susie and the Banshees would have been better than this. Like, 
Anything would have been better than this, I feel like. The Beatles, something. <laughs> yeah, you know. The Rolling Stones. Not very well-known band. Yeah. Uh, Guar, you know, just something else. Not the Beach Boys, though. They would have been terrible. No, fuck the Beach Boys, oh, man. Zerathustra, <laughs> something. <laughs> Insane Clown Posse, they're about the beach. Uh, I actually do want the Insane Clown Posse to do the soundtrack to my Baywatch yes. life. Um and I'm going to try and get get a hold of them. Uh, so our next scene, though, is so we had all of that stiff, hard male competition, and Jeff decides, you know what? I'm going to corner Trevor in the mm-hmm. weight room. Yeah, Trevor's in there working out, and Jeff comes in to give him a hard time and return some of the shit that Trevor's been throwing at him throughout this entire episode. When it turns out, dun-dun-dun, Jeff is a drug dealer and tries to sell Trevor steroids. But don't worry. Doesn't even try to sell them, I don't think. I think he just tries to give them to him. Oh, maybe. First one's free. (laughs) Yeah, like, he's clearly, he's taking the steroids. And, like, Morgan, you've, I, I don't know if you really appreciate this as much as maybe Robert or I just do to Since age. we're both on steroids and you're not. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I was going for. Um, uh, just because of age, which is that the 90s, especially the early mid-90s, were super big on anti, anti-drug anti messages. Uh, mm-hmm. And, like, when I saw this, I was like, of course. Like, like of course this show had to have one of these early on. Uh, and it does one of these, like, very extreme, like, if you take a steroid, you will mm-hmm. die. Like, if you do, if you do a weed, <laughs> you, will, you will asphyxiate kind of stuff. Uh, because this isn't how steroids work. Like, he's 19. He's not taking enough steroids for his heart to just stop. Hey, spoilers. Spoilers for the rest of the episode. Hey, <laughs> well, we don't know that his heart stops. We don't know that his heart stops mm-hmm. for sure. That would be insane if that happened. Yeah, he's got so many more years of usage before anything like that could happen. I think he's going to be a big part of Baywatch for years to come. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I think they're going to rename this show Jeff Watch. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a new weekly segment on our podcast is Jeff Watch. Yeah, it's like Where's Waldo, but Where's Jeff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is my advice as someone who's seen a lot more of this show than you got. Yeah, lock that segment in. That's going to be gold. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're going to get some interstitial music. It's going to be, where's Jeff? And the answer is always going to be, in heaven. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> or hell, because he sold him steroids. And those kind of people <laughs> go to hell. But is is it is the bigger revelation, he, well, he knows that he's taking steroids, but he, I, I assume he knows that that's supplied by someone else. Well, yeah, he does I'm, say. I'm trying to remember if we find that out in this I, scene. Maybe later. We on. do. Later. No, we do say in this scene. He calls them uh, like Coglin's pills or something like that. Oh, uh, right. He calls them Coach Coglin's miracle elixir, <laughs> and that's how Trevor knows <laughs> that they're that's coming from Coglin. Simpson and Sons revitalizing tonic. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, uh, Trevor. Trevor's too much of a good boy to ever do any drugs. Um, He's fucking not. It's funny. Yeah, he 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 hates the structure that Mitch is is putting on him, but he also rejects the the artificial uh, uh, gain that he would get from uh, the steroids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's gotta he's gotta do things his own way, even when they clash with Mitch. The and law of down under clash with steroids. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's <laughs> it's Lob Down Under and the the Old West. So truly, truly, Trevor is just a cowboy. Mm-hmm. But at least we do learn that one of the laws down under is that you never narc. So Trevor promises Jeff that he won't tell. Which, I mean, fair. It's a prison colony. So, like, you don't want to, like, <laughs> out people. He does, I mean, he, I think he literally does say something like, doesn't he say, like, hey, if that's good for you, I guess. Like, if you really need that to win, he kind of, like, tries to shame him. Yeah, he does. And he says, it's like, it's your problem. Like, yes, well, yeah, if yeah, you yeah. want to do that to your body, that's your fault. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Next, we've got some more Trevor when he goes to talk to Amy about her getting private lessons from Eddie. Um, and it just kind of nothing much happens here. Um, and then next up, we've got Vincent shows up to the beach and he's got himself a sniper rifle. <laughs> oh, boy. This scene. Yeah. Amy's uh, Amy's down on the beach, you know, with the other lifeguards just doing some swimming and some exercises. And uh, Vincent pulls out his sniper rifle and takes aim and shoots Amy in the leg. Well, no. Doesn't shoot Amy. Not Amy. Not Amy. Oh. He misses Amy. He shoots another lifeguard or someone else training. And they pull her out of the water. Right. And apparently whatever life, whatever sniper rifle he's using, Mitch is not even certain. He's like, oh, it kind of seems like a bullet wound, but it's not really obvious. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know what he thinks it looks like. Yeah. yeah. A bug bite, yes. You know, the bug bite that also has a shell. This bug bite has an exit wound. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe maybe it's a, a bullet ant. Huh. This The proboscis of this uh, mosquito shattered her fucking bone. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why you got to wear your crab stompers, because otherwise... Uh, Otherwise, you'll just get all these big sea I'm creatures so in your leg, know, just shattering all your bones. Our lifeguard training near these horrible crabs. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't get why we just do the lifeguard training near all this dangerous water. I'm so sorry. That was just part of the <laughs> obstacle course. They have snipers shooting at you. <laughs> if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Same thing. If you can dodge a sniper rifle, you can save a life. We always we always just like to pull a Hunger Games and just murder one person randomly during the yeah. games. It's how you weed out the real rookies. Make sure everyone who's there is really committed. But we only do it to women because this show hates women. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, what does happen is Amy runs up and she sees the gunshot and she is immediately able to identify that this is a gunshot as opposed to Mitch. She's like, I know that wound. <laughs> like, I have one of those too. Uh, Eddie is also like, what happened? And so Amy is the only smart one here. She sees it immediately runs away. Uh, and Eddie notices and gets like kind of terrified. I was hoping she would just run to a different ocean and jump in like she did the last time. <laughs> and just swim to the other side of the earth. And just start gumping it across the U.S. and then go to the other coast. <laughs> <laughs> so next we have a scene with uh, Mitch and Garner and Garner mm-hmm. comes in uh, and he's like, who would want to shoot a rookie lifeguard? And like, honestly, that's a pretty great question. Uh, yeah. But Garner says they'll keep men on the sand to keep an eye out. It's kind of a nothing scene. And it's really just a lead up to the next scene with Eddie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The next scene is that Eddie goes back to the house and is looking for Amy Amy is laying on Gina and Craig's bed when Eddie comes in 
and confesses that actually she was planning on robbing Eddie. And she then tries to leave and Eddie won't let her. And then she's like, don't worry if I can just make it until tomorrow, I'll be okay. I'll get my money and my passport and I'll be in Brazil. Um, and there's a whole big scene here where Eddie is like, what the hell is going on? And then she like explains that she's dating this mobster and ran away. And she basically just does like a whole origin story info dump kind of thing. And about how her, you know, Venkman's a, an importer. And Eddie says, well, what does he import? And Amy goes, what do you think? Ghosts. <laughs> Venks and men. <laughs> but yeah, she, Amy says she's tried to leave once or twice already, but you know, he wouldn't let her. And then Amy says that there's a package coming to lifeguard HQ the next day and that she'll be out of Eddie's life after that. And Eddie says, what makes you think I want you out of my life? And then they make out. Well, right before that also what happens is she says something about how she has incriminating evidence on, Mm -hmm. on Venkman. And Eddie has this line, which I really hated, which Mm -hmm. he tells her, Something like, I'll teach you how to pick up the phone and I'll teach you how to call the cops. Watch, it's easy. I'll show you. Uh, And it's like Uh. clearly not understanding or listening to any of the things she just said of like how scared she is and how she's worried it will like come back to harm her. He's just like, oh, yeah, my idealized justice. He gets it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Robert. I was doubting myself. You're right. You're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and he knew that all he had to do to make her feel better was just give him some taste of his sweet thunder lips. Yeah. Shh. No, 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 no. I've, 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 I'm a junior lifeguard. I've dealt with this before. Don't worry. When you when you get promoted to junior li- when you get promoted to lifeguard, they give you extra kissing power. They uh, they they make your lips taste like cherry. All the better for CPR. Am I confusing the scene? What happens at the end of this scene when they start to make out? I mean, next it just cuts to Craig and Gina, I believe. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, that's right. That's right. So we cut to Craig and Gina, who are in bed in their hotel, listening to another couple through the wall uh, do the the boning, the hunka chunka, um, and <laughs> the turkey start... lurkey. Excuse me. <laughs> we watched Demolition Man last night. Yes. And there are a lot of very good metaphors for sex in that movie, one of which is hunka chunka. Yeah, so I still just go, you know, the boating, the, the hunka chunka. And uh, Sandra Bullock is very still confused by it after hunka chunka. It did not illuminate anymore what sex was. Anyway, uh, yeah, they're, they're listening to the couple next door go at it. And Gina is like comforting Craig about. Don't worry, our marriage is really good, and that's why we're, like, making the decision to be parents is because we're in love and we'll be good parents and all of that. And then Craig finally has enough of everything, so he goes to not the room next to theirs, which would make sense, but the room one door over and across the hall, um, even though the sound is definitely coming from behind them. Anyway. Did you pick up the subtle tri- the subtle trivia of this scene? like the subtle pop culture call out. So he says, it's like an animal house over there. And then he goes mm-hmm. over there in a makeshift toga. Oh, I didn't even realize that. Mm-hmm. 
It's very good. Yeah. This C minus plot just became an A plus plot. No, it's t- it's so bad. It became worse. It, it's gone worse. Yeah. Craig goes and uh, knocks at the door so that he can interrupt the couple that are having sex. He's going to shame them. Exactly. Yeah, he he shows up and just insults I mean, them a I mean, whole I mean, bunch. I mean, obviously in the actual episode, he's like frustrated that he's having an issue. So he's going to go over and complain to them. But like, yeah, what happens? They explain. I mean, you're, you're about to get to it, but. You can go for it, Robert. Sure, I mean, hey. <laughs> yeah, Robert, tell, tell us. They they basically, like, try and say, like, hey, sorry, we're, like, giggling, like, schoolgirls over here, but, like, we finally got a chance to get away from the kids, and we're, like, feel like we're young again. We're, like, you know. Yeah. Hey, we're enjoying each other, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, I don't. Well, that's all I'm going to say, so. <laughs> Feels like a, a very reasonable thing. <laughs> But yeah, basically Gina just like watches disapprovingly from the door to their hotel room as Craig like yells at this couple for not being the attractive teenagers that he was picturing. And well, and and Craig does sort of like slink back. He realizes he's like, oh, shit, I was giving these guys crap. But like, basically, we're trying to we're here trying to have kids and they're enjoying their time after they've had their kids and trying to like get away and just have a little time for each other. You see, Craig Craig knows the intimate truth of life, which is after 40, everyone stops having sex, clearly. So <laughs> he is like, How, you, you, you're, you're banned from having sex in the lifeguard utopia we live in. You can't be having sex. It's against the law. I'm a lifeguard. I'm going to arrest you. Mm-hmm. That's how this works. Yeah, there's there's a little bit more to that scene, which is basically like, it felt to me like Gina was maybe now having second thoughts. And then Craig now comforts her and is like, don't worry, we actually should have kids because she's like, oh, God, is that what our life is going to become? And he's like, no, 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 don't worry, we'll have kids and it'll be great. We'll have so much free time. Yeah, the difference difference is I'll be a lawyer and a lifeguard. Mm -hmm. Both historically professions that have just oodles of free time. Uh, Next up, we have another sexy scene, Mm. which is Eddie and Amy, who clearly have just been going at it, are sitting in front of a fire and just I, they talk a little bit, but basically it's just a really short scene and then they make out like nothing really important is said during that scene. This is the part where they do the fusion dance with their mouths mm-hmm. <laughs> or or they join their Potera earrings together with their mouths. Morgan, we need to get you watching some Dragon Ball Z so you just know these jokes. Yeah. By which I mean, I'm sure these jokes are very funny. If I have seen Dragon Balls, not really. (laughs) (laughs) They're kind of subpar jokes, actually. Uh, Yeah, let's see. Next, we've got um, another scene of the rookies exercising some more. And Jill and Shawnee are watching over them when Mitch shows up and is like watching the rookies for a little bit and then asks if anyone's seen Eddie around, but both Jill and Shawnee say that they haven't seen him. Quick quick question. Quick question for Robert. Robert, since you've watched a bit of this show, what are your opinions on the character of Shawnee? Oh, Shawnee. I love Shawnee, but um, she's a bit of a a question mark in a lot of episodes that she's supposed to star in and episodes that she's in the background of. So it's, um, so it's, it's hard to say. Um, but I, I don't want to spoil too much. I think you guys should um, kind of continue on and see kind of what relationships develop between her and the other characters. Yeah. Ooh, I'm excited. We'll have to have you on later in the later in the show to get an update on your opinion on Shawnee. Exactly. 
Yeah. The other question that is important and a recurring point on this particular podcast, um, are you able to tell when Jill is on screen? <laughs> because I am not. Almost ever. Morgan can't tell the difference between women. Um, only any specifically, woman. only specifically Jill. I keep getting her confused with almost anyone else. And sometimes even even when Shawnee and Jill are next to each other, you're like, can't tell. Yep. You're like, it's the same picture. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Do you have this problem? No, I, I think I can tell. I can tell two different human beings apart, but that's OK. It's, it's bait watch. Everything's all the rules are thrown out the window. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, I'm going to start using that excuse more often. Um <laughs> It's it's Baywatch, I swear. Like that's why this makes sense. Mm-hmm. What doesn't make sense though is that someone like Jeff, who is so young and fit and healthy, uh, suddenly collapses with a heart attack. Oh God. Mm-hmm. And it's the worst acting ever. It's so it's so bad. Everyone runs over and they're all they're all so concerned. And like trying to figure out what happened and it's it's all so badly acted and like Mitch Mitch tried his best, but like cardiac arrest, this guy is having <laughs> Mitch is like, did he get shot? Was there a was there a <laughs> bug bite? Are you son, are you having a really bad bug bite? Tell me. <laughs> yeah. Several mosquitoes sniped him through the heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it turns out Jeff is the owner of a broken heart. Oh that's sad. <laughs> Um, but also makes sense. Mm -hmm. He seems like someone who's sad. Yeah. You know, you know who, you know, who is also sad. Yeah. There's your lead in. Yeah. The other people <laughs> who are sad are Craig and Gina, cause they are going to leave the hotel and not having, uh, gotten Un pregnant. Unfucked. Mm-hmm. it took Sans boning. Sans herky lurky, hachi <laughs> machi. The uh, the couple from earlier shows up to the desk as Craig and Gina are checking out, and is also checking out. And the hotel clerk is like, "Oh, you're leaving already? What's the problem? Room's bad." And the two of them go, "No, our kid fell on our face, so we're going home." Um, because it turns out that actually what they're excited about is that their kid took their first step and the couple is sad that they missed that. And actually, it's pretty sweet. But the way it's played initially is like, we're very sad that we didn't get to watch our child fall on their face. I mean, fuck their child. So, yeah. Yeah. But you, but yeah. you know what? This this first step just really gets Craig and Gina horny. Oh, Yeah. They show up and decide they're going to stay an extra night. And Craig gives a look to the hotel clerk that I was deeply uncomfortable with. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if this hotel clerk knows what goes on in this hotel. I think he just assumes everybody goes there for the seven tennis courts mm -hmm. and not for the rooms. It's supposed to be a very chaste hotel. And for some reason, these people are trying to, like, make a baby there. Yeah, it's... It's run by Puritans and Freemasons, <laughs> so there's no time for any of that boning. Mm -hmm. Next up, we're uh, we're back to Garner and Mitch. They're talking about Amy, and then they mention that Eddie and Amy never showed up, and then the two of them run off. We also learned that Amy Laderac isn't her real name. 
It's Catherine Baker, which sounds like a Doctor Who character. And now I feel like this show would be perfect for an episode of Doctor Who. If if you were going to cast one of the Doctors as Mitch. I'm so happy you asked me this. Yes. Which, I mean, which Doctor? I want to I hear from both of you. Robert, how, how good is your Doctor Who knowledge? Not very good. I'm going with the Doctor that was in the um, tapes that were discovered in that Brazilian uh, TV station. Oh, you mean the the first doctor? I think it's the long scarf one, maybe. No, that's the fourth one. You're thinking of the okay. first or no? You're thinking of the second doctor. The second doctor sure. was the one with the bowl cut who played a flute. Um, <laughs> and maybe he's problematic. No, I, I have no idea. So let I, I I've tried to do this before. I'm going to do the one sentence description of every doctor and then tell you which one is my favorite. Okay. For this role, first doctor is. Old curmudgeon grandpa. Second is bull cut, plays a flute. Third is karate action star, now in his, like, 70s. Fourth is eccentric alien man who wears a large scarf who also eats jelly beans. <laughs> Number five is... Ronald Reagan. <laughs> guy who plays tennis. Wait, what? <laughs> five is guy who plays tennis who looks like he should be in ABBA. Number six is coded Jew who everyone hates because he has too much of a temper and is too overly maximalist with his fashion. So basically who I want to be. Uh, number seven is think of NPR doctor. That's what I'm going to call him. Number eight is coolest guy you've ever seen in your fucking entire life. But also he wears like old timey clothes. Number nine is I wear a leather jacket now and I'm all badass. Number 10 is I'm I'm a tumbler. <laughs> Number 11 is I'm more of a tumbler and now I'm younger and I have an even better smile. Number 12 is I'm an old curmudgeon man again, but this time I have better fashion. And then number 12 is I'm a woman, but also I'm a badass. So those are your doctors. Now, if you haven't picked up on my one sentence descriptions, clearly number five is the best one because he just plays tennis. <laughs> he also has like a like a old like um, uh, country club jacket, and on that jacket he has a little stalk of celery that apparently turns purple when there's poison in the air, which I mean useful for this show because there's always yeah. poison in the air, and. Um, I also think as a man who looks so Aryan that he should be an ABBA, he'd be perfect for Mitch. Um, so I would say Dr. Number Five, Peter Davidson. Wow. Yeah. I, I haven't seen enough Doctor Who to have an opinion one way or the other. God damn it. <laughs> please, please say something else so we can move on from how I... if. This Baywatch podcast wasn't enough to make sure that I don't date anytime soon. <laughs> that one segment is going to do it. You know what else will be really detrimental to dating? If a bunch of mobsters break into the place where you're staying and threaten to kill you. Yes, that would put a damper on it. <laughs> Usually that ruins my makeout. I mean, unless you're into danger. Ooh, maybe I am. But yeah, Amy and Eddie are making out some more in the kitchen, and then the mobsters break in and just kind of like threaten them with a gun. That that scene is just kind of like it's weird because they break in. He by he I mean Venkman 
grabs Amy, pulls her by his hair, and is just like, you missed me, didn't you, babe? Or something like that. Yeah, he's gross. He's Mm -hmm. a total creep. Uh, And, like, I don't really like him as a character because they they go really hard on just here is all the unlikable things one after another. And it doesn't make her a very nuanced villain. Uh, it doesn't make it interesting. Like I've seen this a billion times before. Uh, and it was, this scene was just a sort of me going, I'm just not interested in this villain. Yeah. Yeah. Next up, we've got a scene where Shawnee and Mitch are talking about how much they're worried about Eddie. And then Shawnee walks away and Mitch goes into his office they actually cut that from my version. They go straight. Oh, interesting. They go straight from that to just yeah. Trevor in the office. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean it's it's five seconds, so you're not missing much. Um, but yeah, Trevor's in Mitch's office and is telling Mitch that actually Jeff was taking steroids, and then Trevor blames himself for Jeff having a heart attack. Which, I mean, I, I get where he's coming from, but I. I, I don't know. I don't feel like it's his fault. It's not his fault. He feel he he feels guilty, so he admits it, but, like, it's not his fault. And I think, is that the scene where Mitch says, like, hey, we're never going to, like, agree mm-hmm. on anything, but I respect that you came here and told me that. Yeah, exactly. It's, the rest of this scene is basically Trevor saying that he wants to resign, and Mitch says no, and, and says exactly what you said, where, you know, you're a good lifeguard still, Trevor. Like, don't don't let this fuck you up. And that's one thing that I, I want to touch on a little bit that I think is really interesting is this show has a really weird handling of mental health because it has both some really bad moments, like some mm-hmm. really bad moments. Um, but then it also does a really good job of dealing with, like, survivor's guilt and this, like, sense of obligation to have been able to have saved everyone, which just isn't like a reasonable thing to expect. Right. But then also we have lines like last episode with Jill, which was, I don't need to go see a therapist. My brain isn't broken. I just lost 12 seconds. Yeah. And it's, I mean, you can attribute some of it to the time period, of course, too. But I think as the, as the show goes on, you'll probably, you'll probably, uh, experience both sides of it similarly. You'll have the people that you'll have the situations where it seems like they're glossing over it, and then the other situations where it seems like they're hyper aware of it too. So, mm-hmm. by people being hyper aware, do you mean other characters, or do you mean just like the the show writer? Yeah, there, there's yeah. Without saying too much, I mean, I, I think there's like situations where they try and take try and take that approach to the people involved in the accidents or the, the, you know, whatever is happening for the week. But, um, but you're not wrong that they're often obtuse about a lot of that too. So. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I can't wait for that because some of the things we talked about most uh, on the show of us liking about it were the really serious moments. Um, sure. Especially stuff with Mitch, who is most of the time a well-written character and my hope is that he he gets that treatment because i really empathize with mitch from the standpoint of him being a dad but i hope that comes into play with him being just like a leader or a manager uh, that's something i really want to see with his character well i hope you're used to multiple hobies his uh, son <laughs> oh i know about that part yes <laughs> yeah i've heard about how they just replace him wholesale come season two I hope that's what you're referring to and not the fact that like they duplicate 
and yeah wait <laughs> hey that could be a hey that could be a plot too Ooh. yeah anything hey baywatch nights there maybe there's cloning <laughs> so does this show crossover with the flash is hobie multiple man <laughs> <laughs> i that's my hope is baywatch nights when they get really x files Z, they just everybody gains like a superpower they all become mutants and Mitch is definitely like a pyrotech, a pyromaniac. So he totally shoots out fire. And Garner hates the water, so he turns everything to ice. He's Iceman. I mean, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't uh, excited for you, you guys, to check out a Baywatch Nights episode. Maybe for maybe for Halloween. Who knows? Ooh, Ooh. That's a good idea. But we have to do yeah. a season two of Baywatch Nights. That's when the X Files stuff happens. Sure. Yeah, yeah. That sounds that sounds good. I mean. It was going to be that or some trouble in paradise. So, I mean, Baywatch Nights probably. But what happens next? What happens next is that the mobsters have Eddie and Amy all tied up. And Venkman is trying to get his book back from Amy. And he tells Amy and Eddie that he's going to have Vincent kill Eddie unless Amy tells him where the book is. And Amy says that she gave it to her sister, and then her sister mailed it to Lifeguard headquarters, which I don't fully understand that I think it's just so that they can get Trevor events. to pick up the phone, right? And, and say, like, oh, I found your package, right? Like, Yeah, that makes sense. Um, it just felt, it felt convoluted oh, to sure. me. The, like, I, I stole your book and then gave it to my sister, and now she's mailing it over here. And the, but yeah, the next scene... So the the rest of this episode is a lot of very short scenes with very fast yeah. cuts. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to cover every single cut. I'm just going to kind of hit major plot points. Um, the next major thing that happens is Mitch's coach and Jeff's coach um, shows up to Mitch's office and kind of pretends to worry about Jeff. It doesn't feel like he's super sincere. And Mitch yells at him for giving Jeff steroids and... Tells him that he's fired, uh, which good. Well, he's, he's even like, like, oh, by the way, like, I think the police, if you want to go see your student, I think the police are like at the hospital waiting for you. Like, yeah, he, he really brings the hammer down, which I mean, makes sense. The man did kill a kid. Yeah, so the Buchanan hammer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Next, we've got that scene you briefly mentioned where um, Amy calls the lifeguard HQ and tells Trevor to bring the package to Amy at the boathouse at the marina. And Amy signs off with, don't tell anyone. And Trevor literally two seconds later tells Mitch, which is a good thing in this case. But I did think it was funny how immediately it goes from, and Trevor, please don't tell anyone. Hang up phone. Hey, Mitch. (laughs) Well, he wants to appeal to his new daddy figure. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, senpai, please please like me. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, and he does. Hey, save it for the fan fiction episodes. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh yeah. That's a, that's a little spoiler for uh, some extra stuff we got recorded. But yeah, Mitch and Mitch and Trevor head towards the boathouse. Um, then the mobsters have transported with Eddie and Amy into this boathouse from the apartment. Um, the timelines don't fully make sense from this point on, but whatever. Um, we get a brief scene with a line that I really enjoy from Vankman, where he basically just cuts to him and he's talking to Eddie and goes, turn around, lover boy. <laughs> it's a good thing we're going to kill this kid. Hey, he wouldn't want to live without you anyway, babe. 
And it's just, it's so over the top and ridiculous. Feigner's really chewing the scenery in this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Really just making a meal out of it. But it's kind of fun. It is. In just a, like, goofy, over-the-top way. Uh, at this point, Mitch and Trevor show up in the truck, and Venkman sends Amy out to get the book. Um, Mitch is yeah. crouched down in the passenger He's seat hyped. of the truck. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's so goofy-looking. He he looks like he has the same pose that Spider-Man does when he's like hanging on that cage and bone saws trying to kill him. It, it's a very specific like, oh, look at me, Zoolander pose, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Trevor and Mitch try and like reassure Amy, don't worry, we're here to rescue you. Don't blow this. And she is like one of the first competent women who's not part of the main cast that we've seen in this show, which is a refreshing change of pace. I would like to describe the next scene, please. Oh, because let me tell you a little something about my solo watching habits. No, this is not a porn thing. (laughs) This is that. Well, it's a little, it it kind of is, uh, which is that when I'm watching stuff alone, I don't laugh very often and I don't like talk out loud very often. It's very rare that I will actually say something out loud when I'm watching something alone. Um, this next scene actually made me out loud exclaim, Oh my God. Oh my God. Which (laughs) is that Mitch says there is no time. And he just gets out of the car and he says he's going to save the day, even though he's just a lifeguard and he decides to jump some scaffolding like high up scaffolding and peek in and he's going to save the day. Garner be damned because they called Garner while they were on the way there instead of calling Garner before they left. So Garner's like, dude, I got to get in the car. Like I got to like, I don't know, get my groceries. I don't know. Like he's got (laughs) stuff to do before he gets over there and saves the day. So Mitch takes it upon himself to do all this. So he assassin creed, like jumps up things and uses like (laughs) stealth to hide behind things. And in true assassin's creed fashion, he's mostly not behind the wall. He's just like enough behind the wall that the NPC doesn't see or like recognize that he's like not in stealth mode. Uh, So he's by default in stealth mode. It's very bad. He would have been discovered in two seconds by any competent villain, but these are not competent villains. No, no. Yeah. It's, it's a very fun action scene for sure. Robert, would you like to describe this, uh, tour de force of action to us i mean there's a lot going on but i think like one of my favorite parts is i i don't want to skip too far ahead but like my favorite part of this is when william feigner's character is eventually trying to get down to the dock and has i believe uh amy's character hostage and like his big Mm -hmm. move is to just throw her bound into the water (laughs) which means (laughs) that mitch buchanan has to then sort of like do a two two seconds of kind of like appraisal and then jump in to save her. Um, and then we have, he could have just taken him with him into it's the so water. Bizarre. And then why am I forgetting the name yeah. of his, um, his cop friend, Vincent. Oh, Garner, Garner. Yes, yes, yes. Shows up. Um, and that's a super funny scene where, um, uh, I'm oh, sorry, we're calling him Venkman. He's, um, undoing the, <laughs> the stanchions or whatever and trying to get like the boat undone so that he can get away. And then Garner is running down the dock <laughs> 
<laughs> basically just like very slow tackles him off into the water because he hasn't gotten the boat, the boat prepared in time to get away. It's, um, it's super, super funny. And such a funny, weird, uh, ending to this whole situation is that he gets thrown into the water and is like, Ooh, I can't believe it. I'm wet. <laughs> I'm melting. It definitely felt like they realized they were about to run out of time. Yep. That's why they had, when Trevor started attacking Vincent, they did the most classic fight, which is you do the two punches to the chest, one to the face, and he's just gone. From like that's a mm-hmm. that's that's the move that writes a person out of a plot is the two to the stomach, one to the face. And sure enough, no Vincent, we never see him again. True. He's dead, probably. He killed him. Probably. Trevor killed a man with his fists. We might see him in future episodes. Who knows? Do you really think we're gonna see motherfucking Vincent in another episode? We're gonna be like, oh shit, that's Vincent, my my favorite. Absolutely not. It may, Absolutely maybe. not. Hey, maybe. <laughs> I would I would watch another episode with these two as villains. I mean, I'm going to have to. They're the Boris and, and they're the Boris oh, and Natasha God. of uh, Baywatch. Does that, <laughs> okay. Does that make Mitch Rocky or Bullwinkle? Both. Oh, oh! So he's like got a filio K, like father son Holy Ghost Trinity thing going on. Oh yeah, the Alpha and Omega in the Eastern Orthodox Church of Baywatch. What is it instead? <laughs> oh, oh boy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> that thank you college <laughs> uh moving on uh we've only got a little bit left in the episode uh so let's uh let's wrap it up um we've got a brief scene where mitch teases garner about how garner actually went into the water and garner's being all huffy and Tells Mitch, don't mm-hmm. go chasing criminals. Or chasing waterfalls. Uh, Mitch Mitch says he won't, and then Garner walks away, and then Mitch turns to Trevor and goes like, no, I'm totally going to keep chasing criminals. Like, have you met me before? And then we've got one more quick scene. Oh, no, there's one important thing that happens before then, which is Mitch says Trevor is now a county oh, lifeguard yeah. and to make himself at home. Yep. Finally, Trevor becomes mm-hmm. the lifeguard he's been trying to get, become for the last few episodes. Uh, and if Trevor were to die today, he'd be happy. Uh, does he die today, Robert? What's that? Does Does Trevor die today? No, not today. And I, I couldn't speak to his fate for the rest of the, se- uh, the series, but um, I was happy that he finally got that, that chip off his shoulder a bit and uh, adhered to the lifeguard rule. Yeah. No, it's good. Good, uh, good character arc for Trevor, for sure. This next scene uh, is a it's an interesting scene for me. I actually um, uh, I actually took a screen cap of this scene and sent it to Robert's sister in law uh, because uh, <laughs> it has maybe the worst outfit I've ever seen on a human being ever. Uh, Amy <laughs> is wearing this very loud paisley outfit, and on the outfit uh, it says a few choice lines. Uh, one of them says, uh, "I think uh, ye no." It says like "howdy, howdy, partner." And her one says, like, <laughs> go west. And it's all stitched into the Paisley markings. Uh, it's very bad, extremely gaudy. Uh, and I don't know if this is supposed to be Gina or Craig's outfit, uh, but I can't see either <laughs> one of them wearing it. I feel like it's supposed to be Gina's because 
uh, Gina is the one who remarks that, oh, that outfit looks familiar. Yeah, you know, her classic outfit that says, meantime, and meanwhile, back at the ranch, you know, that (laughs) thing that Gina says all the time. Classic Gina. Oh, yeah. 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 Eddie, Eddie starts to offer an excuse for why Amy is wearing Gina's clothes, but Craig, like, interrupts him midway through to shush him and says, we're going to need privacy because the weekend isn't over until tomorrow. And then the credits roll. (laughs) So Robert, so it's a line. We have a, a a now official rating scale for this episode. I'd like, I'd like you to um, tell us your thoughts on the episode, but on a scale of one to 10, where one is you're walking on a very wet, muddy beach and every step you take, there is a twig underneath your feet, and it's just poking at your foot. Wow. And it's just very painful, giving you splinters. Horrible time. And a 10 is sniffing Mitch's abs. Where would you place this episode? Holy moly. Well, um, <laughs> as we discussed, I think the C plot leaves some uh, something to be desired. Um, and I think I like some of the character development. I think it's actually pretty important... Um, that we did have uh, Peter Phelps' character, Trevor, becoming part of the fold. So I think mm-hmm. it's credit due there. Um, man, I don't... Uh, I'm trying, I, I, it's hard because I don't know what you guys, how, how you guys have been rating thus far. I'm going to give this... It's been pretty arbitrary and silly. Yes. You know what? This is this isn't quite like <laughs> just middle of the road. I think this is like a little above average. There's a, there's actually enough going on. I think you actually commented too that um, sometimes you wish there was even a C plot in some other episodes. It feels like they're stretching it yeah. between two. Um, I'm gonna give this a. Mm, s- I'm gonna give this a seven. What would you describe a seven as being? The beach that you're walking on in a seven has some broken sand dollars and shells that that could possibly uh disrupt your walk and sometimes the surf comes in and it does a little bit chilly but uh it's not too unpleasant so that's that perfect seven it's a it's a cold beach but it's not uh it's not not fun to walk on cold beach sure. hot lifeguards mm, hip slips and fingertips <laughs> uh mm-hmm. uh morgan what about you yeah, I think I mostly agree with what Robert said. I would I would put this as a pretty pretty solid episode, especially considering the rest of the episodes in this season that we've seen so far. Um I think I might go a little higher. Um but I'm curious I'm curious if that's just because I haven't seen any of the actually good episodes later in the show that I know you have, Robert. Um, so I'm going to go, I'm going to go, let's call it a, let's call it a seven, five, I think. Wow. And I feel like, I feel like I would describe a seven, five as the feeling you get when you are rowing a boat while a song plays over top where the main lyric is, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> How about you, Michael? Uh, I'm going to go higher than both of you. Wow. Uh, I'm going to give this, I, I, I try to think if I wanted an 8.5 or an eight, I, 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 I like this episode a lot. I had a lot of fun. And at first I didn't think I was going to, uh, but, uh, as it built, I kind of really enjoyed it. Um, I think it helped, especially that I just thought it was really goofy and I, I love classic early nineties, late eighties goofiness. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give it an eight 
And I think uh, an eight for me is the feeling of suddenly realizing that you actually want to have children. Wow. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing nothing funny this time. There's nothing funny <laughs> about this shit. Uh, We're a very serious podcast all of the time. Absolutely. Uh, which is also like why we'd like to talk about how one of the things Morgan and I have decided to start working on is potentially getting some... Uh, some cameo cameos uh and one of our favorites by our i mean mine and morgan has no say in this is Mm -hmm. famous pro wrestler nick gage who calls himself the god of this shit leader of the mdk murder death kill gang um and he's just a fine fine man who's also very pro trans rights and uh i think he would love our podcast as would David Hasselhoff, it costs 300 bucks for 30 seconds on Cameo. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is also uh, Brandy Roderick, who's on this show eventually, whose profile picture on Cameo is her with Donald Trump, and her price is $69. Wow. Not nice. Yeah. It's not nice. No. no. For once, it's not. No. Uh, before we... Uh, get into our our very closing statements. I want to just read the plot for the next episode um, here, which is Eddie doesn't like Shawnee's new boyfriend or the way he treats her when things don't go the way he wants. Also, Hobie gets in trouble with a girl who likes him. Meanwhile, a man who organizes large parties on a boat becomes a problem for the lifeguards at Baywatch. And this episode is called Cruise Ship. Um, sounds like an exciting episode, but to wrap it up, uh, Robert, like, you know, we really love that you came on this episode. You're a good friend of ours. We also thought absolutely that you are a fantastic, fantastic person to be on this show because one, mm-hmm. you make me laugh consistently. <sighs> uh, but, uh, I want to know if there's anything you want to plug or promote. Oh my gosh. Well, I have my own podcast, Gentleman Overlords, that I do with a couple buddies of mine. We just generally shoot the shit about uh, movies and television and uh, try and watch you know, the same movie uh, every couple weeks and uh, talk about it. What if you all watch different episodes of different movies at the same time? Does that ever happen? <laughs> we, we've tried at different times. We've tried to do themed kind of different movies uh, uh, disparately, but we always kind of end up hating each other if we didn't all have to suffer similarly. So um, <laughs> mm, that's fair. And then um, I do also work for the Doughboys podcast. I'm the associate producer for the Doughboys podcast. So uh, if I'm sure folks might be familiar, but um, some of my my good work or my segments are on that show. So check that out as well. Awesome. Some of your good work. Uh, is there some of your bad work on there? Too? <laughs> no, that doesn't usually make the show. <laughs> uh, gotcha. gotcha. So unlike, uh, unlike this show, it is competently produced and edited. <laughs> I, I, save my, I save my shit for stuff like this. Yeah. You know, all your good stuff should be put for the, you know, the underdogs yeah. like us. <laughs> uh, I just also want to add that, uh, you know, with Robert coming on, uh, he was our first, the first person we thought of wanting as a guest. Uh, so honored. Uh, we're very, very glad you came mm-hmm. on. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not joking when I say you were the first person we thought of. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do want to open up some more guest slots and we have talked to a few people about 
potentially coming on the show. And we, we have, uh, you know, other friends of ours that we think would just be fantastic, but also, you know, we want more people to enjoy the show with us because not everybody is going to watch 242 episodes of Baywatch <laughs> week after week, you know, but we do want to encourage people to reach out to us and let us know if they want to talk about Baywatch with mm-hmm. us and join us. Uh, we're pretty open here. We just want to hang out with our friends and talk about this show that we now love. Uh, and that extends to you, Robert. Also, we'd love to have Absolutely. you back. Uh, like any, literally any time you want to be on this podcast, it is no trouble at all to, especially in quarantine. Holy <laughs> shit. Like there's just so much free time. Just let us know. And we'd love to have you back. Yeah, of course. I thank you so much. I'm, I'm a pleasure to be on this time and I would love to come back. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on. It's been a, been a real blast. Great to have you. But I think that leaves us with nothing else to say. But thank you so much for listening to this episode of Baywatch Rookie School. If you want to find us on Twitter, our show handle is at Rookie School Pod. I'm at Morgan P. Thrapp. I am at Snotstit, S-N-O-T-S-N-I-T. And what about you, Robert? Oh, boy. I, what am I? I think I'm at Slop underscore King on Twitter. You. Uh, you, you, you can find me online. I don't I don't really do a lot of tweeting, but uh, I'm, I'm around. Oh, that's all of his all of his good content is there on Twitter. And we'll see you next week. And just remember, hips, lips and fingertips. Ew, 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 <laughs> ew. <laughs>